We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, this edition brought to you by MyBookie and the FFPC. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, I'm joined as always by my co-host, the co-owner of Rotoviz Radio, Mr. Sean Siegel. Sean, it has been an action-packed uh, last couple of days, um, obviously there was rumours and reports of players and what was going to happen, and then there was things that just kind of really came out of the blue. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about some of those big moves, how it affects some of the values of the players on the teams they left, on the teams they're joining. We're going to be looking at some tight end talk in terms of best ball again, and looking at a little bit of uh, maybe some under-the-radar um, free agent signings and how they will shake up as well. So we have the big names and some of the, the lower-end names that might turn out to be great values come the draft season so sean how's things been since we talked about uh two talk two weeks ago it's been uh, pretty hectic in the nfl lands- landscape for the off season this has been the time period with the action we had the nfl combine and now with the free agency news coming fast and furious it it certainly has been a lot of fun and you know, trying to track all the different moves as they relate to fantasy and, and see how all the different pieces fit together so you know these couple of days are, are always among the most fun uh, 
you know, in, in the off season with the possible exception of that draft weekend, obviously. But yeah, we've, we've seen a lot of moves. And when you include the trades, we certainly have seen a number of franchises completely change direction this week. So it'll be a lot of fun to track uh, those players and to uh, sort of debate how those moves will fit and, and if we should be buying or selling players like Odell Beckham, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, and then some of the big free agents uh, on some of those other teams. So very excited to, to get into it today. Yeah, so I guess with that, we'll just jump into it and get into the second quarter because uh, it seems so long ago since the the combine, but let's talk uh, mainly for agency, so let's jump into it and let's start talking about it. Let's get into the second quarter. So, Sean, we're going to start off with the big moves and the the big changes that have happened, and I guess the the biggest one out of them all, well, I guess there's three big ones, and it's uh, Odell Beckham, Le'Veon Bell, and also Antonio Brown, and uh, I'm going to go with Odell first because that was one that while there had been reports, had been rumors, I really didn't think this was ever going to happen. I didn't think it made sense for the Giants to make the move. I still don't think it makes a huge amount of sense for them, but it makes a lot of sense, I think, in terms of the Cleveland Browns. And uh, I think, you know, the, what they have done over the last kind of 24 months to turn the franchise around with getting Baker Mayfield, uh, having a running back there now who we are big fans of. And then just seeing the team develop and, and how things are going now, have Odell Beckham on board, it's going to be fascinating. But the Browns acquired him for uh, a 2019 first round and a third round pick and safety, Jibreel Peppers. So I have to say that I, I would rather be on the Browns. If I was a Browns fan waking up this morning, I think I'd be in heaven and I'd be pinching myself. What were your thoughts when this trade went through? I, I really couldn't believe it actually it went down. This should be a win-win. It should be a win-win for the teams involved. It should be a win-win for fantasy owners. Uh, certainly a win-win for those of you in two QB leagues who have Baker Mayfield. Um, this is just a lot of fun. It's It's great to have Beckham and his personality maybe in an offense or a system that will not necessarily the system work for him as a player but work for him just as a personality somewhere where his big personality can go and be part of the Cleveland Browns really turning things around and becoming uh, probably not a, a super team but an exciting team I mean now we have a situation where Baker Mayfield could very easily be the Patrick Mahomes of 2019 and you know you hope he's just tossing the ball around the yard to all of these guys and that the Browns are are creating incredible offensive fireworks and all of these guys with the big personalities have a lot of fun I mean you have Beckham and Jarvis Landry back together now and, and Jarvis Landry not necessarily the troublemaker that Beckham is but a huge personality in his own right. So you're going to have Beckham you know, flying down the sidelines, making one-handed catches, uh, Jarvis Landry you know, unloading massive blindside blocks on unsuspecting defenders. And you know this, this Browns team really lighting the world on fire, I think. From the, the Giants' perspective, you know, that's a, I mean, that's a big, that's a, that's a big return, I think, if you go out and spend that money that you save right a lot of these guys with the big contracts and you're like well even with the big contracts they're worth a ton i mean you can't just let them go but if you know you look at a team like the raiders which you know cried poor on some players last year didn't pay them let them go and now they're turning around spending some of that money if you take the savings and then you spend on other good players and you also now have the picks then you're also in a situation where you can do some you know, pretty cool things. They they definitely were done with him and they do have some 
exciting guys of their own. So, you know, once they have their quarterback in place, you know, he'll be able to be the focal point as opposed to Beckham being the focal point. But but before before I get too excited about all those different things, let's go back in and do you think Beckham fits in this Browns offense? So Cleveland, you know, they they really turn things around in the second half of the season, obviously, interim head coach, new offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator uh, now moves into the head role. You know, that can be a little bit tricky, but but one of the things is that even though they changed their offense around, they started moving the ball, their expected points, so their expected fantasy points to wide receivers, a measure of volume that we can, you know, directly relate to it, you know, how it expresses itself in fantasy they were only 18th in that category from week nine on. We saw someone like Jarvis Landry uh, see his opportunity really plummet. Now, Landry has been a big fan of the coaching hire. Uh, so it certainly seemed like he thought that it was onward and upward, even with what it did to his personal stats. Can this offense, you know, is it going to again now morph and, you know, certainly you would expect to improve, but is there enough volume for these guys to get the kinds of workloads and fantasy points that we're hoping for? I, I think there is. I think it's going to be like if you talk about Odell Beckham, there really is probably him, Michael Thomas, and uh, DeAndre Hopkins in terms of young, young wide receivers. I know there's the older, kind of four or five years older with Julio Jones and antonio brown and that in the mix but i i think you look at those three and they are head and shoulders above the rest i think he's going to fit with any offense if you look at the stats since he came into the league it's just off it's off the charts in terms of what he's done uh, he has had one season where he did have the injury that cut his season short where he had 25 receptions outside of that 77 receptions and at least a thousand yards and all the rest of his season so one injury hit season and the rest have been dominant um he's had double-digit touchdowns on three different seasons and he's continued just to improve i think if you see what he's been able to do with odell beckham and that giants uh, offense i think when he goes into an offense with somebody like baker mayfield i think it's gonna be um just i think it's gonna be incredible i think in terms of if you look at the uptick you mentioned two quarterback leagues for baker mayfield moving forward you just couldn't pick a better wide receiver to have coming in to try and improve things last year we talked a couple of times about the the drop issues with antonio callaway and how things went there then we we also seen uh rashid perryman who was set to, to sign again with the browns before this trade went down he's now been let change his mind and go to the tampa bay buccaneers so they had wide receivers who were you know at such a lower level um had issues with drops and making big plays and we all know about beckham and his efficiency so I think it's going to be fantastic for them. I think it's going to be fantastic for Landry, who we documented how high we were on him heading into last season. I think it opens up the whole center of the field for him. It opens up the deep part of the field for Odell Beckham. We know what Odell Beckham can do with short passes too. So there's just so much this offense can look to do now. And uh, I have to say, uh, as a non-Brown supporter, I'm very excited. And I'm happy for that fan base to have something to to really latch on to because they've had a tough time over the last kind of two decades. So I think we'll see them be very efficient in that passing game. And I think they're they're going to be a real threat this year when it comes to that division as well. So the and, and you mentioned the efficiency they really did turn that around it was really after the coaching change happened mid-season and how things switched up from there so that was really when things started to turn around for the browns and uh, i'm excited to see what happens do you think it affects anyone negatively in this situation obviously if we look at somebody like callaway it's going to affect him but outside of you know the, the big players like chubb obviously it's going to help mayfield uh, in a positive manner uh, the other one then being landry or the other one being in joku do you think it affects any of them in a 
a negative way or do you think it helps lift them all up in their production? Well, certainly it, it takes Callaway almost completely off the board in terms of a fantasy asset until you have some injuries and and it, those injuries do happen so he's not someone you would want to drop obviously in in dynasty formats but no longer relevant i think right away and joku also is going to take a little bit of a of a hit there but i think now you know defenses will not be able to to focus on him really at all and so perhaps we finally see the jump from him in terms of performance even if the volume that that really elite top tier volume that would make you a, a Kelsey or make you an Ertz, make you a Kittle. That's perhaps not going to be there. But in terms of him being a more reliable player for best ball, a more reliable, uh, you know, low end tight end one, you know, I, I think it, it both helps and hurts him depending on what your expectations were. If you're more concerned about floor or more concerned about upside, you know, Chubb, I think in terms of where he is drafted, it's, it's just a real problem in that, it doesn't seem like he will catch a lot of passes in this offense. And it's, it's so hard to draft those running backs early without the passes. But the flip side of that is that now, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise anyone if he were to lead the league in rushing touchdowns next year. I mean, this offense could be that good. What you're looking for from your running back are two things. You're looking for receptions and you're looking for an offense that will deliver that running back to the one yard line over and over. And so if you can get one of those two things, I mean, the touchdowns, probably going to be a little bit more difficult to rely on week to week you tend to see these you know big peaks and valleys and that can be frustrating but i think this really solidifies him now as you know probably still not the option that you want in those rounds but someone who is a lot safer in my opinion yeah and he strikes me as somebody who we could see have um you know five or six touchdowns from the one yard line based on pass interference you know in the end zone with both landry and with Odell Beckham we see that with somebody like like Yarrick Blunt getting those shorter touchdowns with the Patriots and uh, the other part that I think is going to be interesting is he is somebody we've seen with that explosiveness that can take the ball um, you know from from distances out with the explosive plays that he's been able to put up but I do think it, it will affect him in terms of PPR points for receptions I also think it could potentially um, hurt, hurt Duke Johnson as well so um, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out but a couple of other uh, big moves and somebody who's I'm sure going to be catching a lot of passes this season as well as Le'Veon Bell he's ended up with the Jets obviously sat out the entire season something that we, well I certainly didn't predict he would miss the whole year and um, I still have huge questions regarding the you know the pay that he's actually sat out to get then at this point but he did hold out he got a four-year 52.5 million dollar contract um do you think the holdout for bell made sense at the end game of where he's ended up with the jets he managed to get through the season without being injured and then sign a contract <laughs> that is at least in the vicinity of of what he might have hoped for so you know from that perspective it, it wasn't a worst case scenario did it make sense i mean I, I certainly don't think so it seemed like there were a lot of other paths he could have taken to both get the money from last year and to more or less still guarantee that he got uh, a decent amount this year certainly i think that if he'd had a big year last year he would have been positioned for even quite a bit more money perhaps go to the eagles or the chiefs or a team like that where he could you know compete in multiple super bowls uh, be a hall of fame candidate those kinds of things you know i and if if the way the steelers treated his teammate is any indication the far better approach simply would have been to go and then behave really poorly and make yourself available for as few plays as possible and and force your way out of town after getting paid uh, 
you know, we're probably glad he didn't take that route. I mean, having as few players who behave like Antonio Brown in the NFL as possible is is certainly what all of us are looking for. You mentioned he's going to catch a lot of passes. I think his fit in New York will be interesting. Obviously, they don't have uh, some big-time receiving core that is going to suck away a lot of the targets. You know, Sam Darnold, now perhaps in a little bit of the same situation as Baker Mayfield, where we're going to hopefully see him take a real jump, have a, that elite safety outlet. You know, Le'Veon Bell could go anywhere from getting close to leading the NFL in passes to being pretty disappointing. I mean, there's just a, a huge range of outcomes for what he does as a receiver. When Adam Gase was the head coach in Miami those three years, uh, if you look at it as a, a total 96 sort of team seasons within that three-year period, Miami ranked 46th, 69th, and 76th in receiving expected points at the running back position so Gase wasn't really able to deploy those running backs as pass receivers the way he wanted he had kind of those weird rotations uh at different points it looked like Kenyon Drake was going to break out and then at other points it looked like Gase couldn't figure out why they had drafted him and that he saw Gase as you know barely being worth a raw I mean uh Drake as as barely worth a roster spot there um you know Frank Gore not in the point in his career where he's going to catch a ton of passes. So I don't know that we can necessarily take from that the any sort of information to say, okay, well, based on the offense, Bell is going to catch this many passes. Certainly we can say based on his profile and what the team should do that he should catch a lot of passes. Of course, we were constantly making that argument for David Johnson last year too, and the Cardinals had a hard time getting him the ball. Any concerns that that this could actually be a david johnson type of situation with Le'Veon bell going to the jets i think there's a much higher chance that it's you know a david johnson situation like last year more so than uh something that we see previous uh like what he did in pittsburgh i think if you look at the jets offense i think you know i'd say to robbie anderson there's not a huge amount of field stretchers uh you know to, to open things up and i think that there could also affect Le'Veon bell when it comes to you mentioned sam darnold and he did show some glimpses last year but i think in terms of uh, quarterback, you know, the, there's nobody's comparing him with uh, what Ben Roethlisberger can do. Um, you know, he's not going to have somebody on the outside similar to Antonio Brown or Gigi Smith-Schuster who can really open things up for him in the middle of the field. So there's going to be a lot of concerns there. And as things stand, um, I think there's no doubt in terms of fantasy football that his value is going to have to have taken uh, quite, a, quite a knock um, over the last kind of season and a half in terms of uh, sitting out last year, which is also causing that unknown and then going to the new offense and how things fit in there plus the numbers that you've mentioned there with Adam Gase uh, and how his uh, running backs have done so I, I do have quite a bit of concerns in terms of uh, where Bell will go he's not somebody who's off my uh, list in terms of where I'll take a player I'll always, always take a player when the value is there but uh, there's there is big concerns for me as we head in to to the, the like kind of rest of the offseason in the training camp and just in terms of the numbers i did mention the contract um that he he did get he did turn down uh, five years 70 million with 33 million guaranteed from pittsburgh last july and forfeited that 14 and a half million when he sat out the entire season so i, I think he probably would have been better the only concern would have been if he had got injured obviously during the season but um i just think that it, it doesn't make a huge amount of sense obviously he's not gonna to be too bothered he's, he's getting quite a large chunk of change to, to keep him happy uh, talking of his uh teammate or former teammate now with the oakland raiders that's antonio brown uh, he went for a third round pick and a fifth round pick um so brown has 
pretty much got what he wanted he acted in in such a way that you mentioned already uh, and then actually has got uh, a huge amount of extra guarantees and his contract over the next three seasons so uh, he he is uh, getting everything he wants but will he get everything he wants in terms of moving from ben roethlisberger to Derek carr what's your expectations of how that fit happens in oakland and uh it's really hard to get a true idea of what Oakland are doing in terms of their forward-thinking preparation since John Gruden, John Gruden has come up, uh, come into the team. But what's your thoughts on how this shakes out and how he fits in with the Raiders? Anybody who has owned Amari Cooper during the downtimes uh, is going to be skeptical of this particular fit here. It is interesting, though, when you look at some of the 2018 numbers and you compare Ben Roethlisberger to Derek Carr, you see that the adjusted yards per attempt pretty close at 7.5 to 7.2 you see the passing success rate is actually a little bit higher for Derek Carr which is something that again should make you question even the minimal value in that particular stat we do actually see them separate some when we're looking at uh, things that maybe matter more to us but also give us a little bit clearer picture what's happening on the field which is these fantasy points over expectation Ben Roethlisberger was at 33.2. Derek Carr was at minus 2.6. So that measure of efficiency shows that gap. One of the things there that we have to consider, however, is that Ben Roethlisberger was throwing to Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster, whereas Derek Carr was throwing to basically no one. And so perhaps we should have more enthusiasm based simply on that element. I pulled up the splits just because they're kind of fun. They don't necessarily answer any questions for us, but in the past four years, catching passes from Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown has averaged almost 23 points a game, uh, 1,600-yard seasons, 13 receiving touchdowns. So just the kind of, of points that make him uh, this clear-cut, you know, in my opinion, number one overall pick caliber player and, and certainly wide receiver one you know, during that time period. In the five games where Roethlisberger didn't play, he averaged only 12 points per game and barely over a thousand yard season. So again, not only is that a small sample, but Brown is not catching passes from legitimate NFL quarterbacks in that situation. It's not like, okay, it's Ben Roethlisberger versus this other NFL quarterback. It's Ben Roethlisberger versus very low level backup. So, you know, that doesn't answer any questions for us, but it does kind of give us a little bit of a sense of, you know, what the downside might be if the quarterback situation in Oakland is as bad as it sometimes seems, you know, in Oakland, they go back and forth between Derek Carr as still the franchise savior and Derek Carr as someone that the team might have to move away from at any moment. And I don't think it's a Blake Bortles situation, but we saw how in Jacksonville last year, they were coming off that fantastic season. They thought maybe he'd turned a corner. They put these elite weapons around him or not elite, but they gave him a lot of weapons. And then, midway through the season it became clear that they couldn't go with him at all anymore so i think if you are an antonio brown owner there's at least a little bit of a concern that the quarterback situation in oakland could get pretty dicey hello Rivers fans allow me a brief second to tell you about our good friends over at the ffpc the home of season long high stakes fantasy football if you're a diehard who loves to draft the ffpc best ball leagues are already in full swing for the 2019 season with drafts starting at just 35 dollars all the way up to 1250 dollars entry fees both slow and live drafts are filling and launching daily are you a fan of dynasty football i know me and myself and sean are over the last few years the ffpc has become the go-to destination for seriously dynasty 
players they now have over 300 active dynasty leagues starting at 77 dollars and even have a five thousand dollar dynasty league and the best part is not a single dynasty league has folded in nine years registrations for brand new startup dynasty leagues have opened and new leagues are forming now limited orphan teams are also available at discounted pricing don't miss the ffp experience wrote of his listeners go now to myffpc.com and register that's myffpc.com the home of high stakes fantasy football the first weekend of the ncaa tournament is also here and i want to tell you about our friends over at my bookie whether you like filling out a bracket picking a national champion predicting first round upsets or all of the above my bookie is the perfect home for your march madness fun Will Zion Williamson and his teammates cement their Duke legacy with a title? And can Kentucky get back to the Final Four? If you know the answers, or even if you don't, MyBookie is the place to get all the action. They have something for everyone, even you, the guy who fills in multiple brackets. MyBookie has been in business for years, and their goal is to give you the best customer experience in the business. And the best part, they pay out fast, and you don't have to wait. Bet with the best, then kick back and enjoy the March Madness fun while it lasts, and then head over and pick up your cash. Deposit with my bookie today with the promo code RotoViz for a 50% sign up bonus. That code is RotoViz. With my bookie, you pay, you win, you get paid. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. So, Sean, heading into the third quarter, uh, we touched on at the start of the show with some of the bigger name players. We had some other kind of not lesser value players, but obviously in terms of what we're looking at with the top three that we talked about that did make moves over the last couple of days. There were some of them that I found pretty interesting. Um, you know, we, we have talked on the show about uh, the Bills and how uh, Allen has, you know, been a, a good fantasy option at quarterback it's going to be interesting to see what happens now they have added in two wide receiving options for him with cole beasley and john brown um, i don't know how they fit in necessarily with what the team is trying to achieve but john brown somebody who i've always been a big fan of and you know it's it's an issue with accuracy in terms of what uh, alan will do at quarterback but i have to say that in terms of quarterback accuracy i moving away from lamar jackson i think is definitely has to be classed as a positive for john brown and then we've seen what cole beasley can do in that slot role for the dallas cowboys what, what's your thoughts on both these guys heading to obviously the same team but do you think it is a boost in value for brown even though it's not the ideal landing spot in my opinion yeah it's 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 interesting i like what the the bills have done um in terms of constructing some different types of weapons here certainly they still now are very much without a 
a star wide receiver. They haven't really given Allen the types of weapons that you know a young quarterback is going to to benefit from, allowed to be carried by. But he does have some people who can work some different areas of the field now. If you look at Zay Jones, John Brown, and Cole Beasley, obviously on three different teams last year, but very different receiving or very similar receiving numbers in terms of targets, receptions, yards, but very different profiles. We had John Brown with 36 targets of 15 plus yards last year, while Cole Beasley only had seven targets in that same range. One of the things that was kind of interesting is that Brown was actually not particularly efficient on his long targets. And part of that is going to always be the situation of of having played with Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson. But my concern would be that while he got more volume again last season, that he wasn't overly effective. And so the idea of him taking this big jump back, I think we have to be a little bit uh, restrained in terms of looking at that. It is interesting though, because Zay Jones was used sort of all over the field last year. He also had uh, 28 targets in this deep range and his targets to the middle and to the right uh, are somewhat hilariously. You pull up the, the AYA app on Rotoviz and they were either zero or below zero in those two sections of the field. He did a little bit better on deep targets to the left, but uh, for him, a lot of that is going to be quarterback play as well. So all three of these guys, if Josh Allen takes a step forward, if they can help him take a step forward, then it, it could be a great situation. But we have a lot of unknowns and that we need both groups to help each other out and a lot of potential for any of the members of of this team this passing situation to really let each other down at which point i think it still becomes a a not particularly viable passing attack do you have a a guy out of those three receivers that you really sort of like related to where you i think if i was picking one of them i think the one that probably fits the best with uh josh allen's you know profile based on last season is probably cole beasley um you know if you look at the success beasley has on those shorter to intermediate routes versus um where we see in terms of accuracy for josh allen i think he probably fits best in terms of john brown i I know uh you mentioned the stats there but if you look at you know pretty much up to week nine uh that was the last time that he had more than two receptions in a game and then after week nine he had one one reception one reception zero receptions two receptions one reception two receptions one reception two receptions so there was pretty much nothing uh throughout that final half of the season and that was down to the fact that that quarterback change happened uh, if you look at the start of the season um they had in terms of yards week two had 90 92 then 86 then 116 then later on the season at 134 yard game so he, he was having some success in terms of what he was doing he had four touchdowns at that halfway point of the season as well so th- there was some you know bright spots in terms of what he did um earlier in the season but it really when that change came at quarterback there was nothing that really happened in terms of a passing offense for for the Ravens. So I think it'll be interesting to see if he can have that relationship. But I think in terms of, as you mentioned, with ADP and how a player I expect to have success, I think Cole Beasley is the one with the safest floor. But I still do feel that in terms of ceiling, John Brown out of the tree has the, the highest ceiling. Uh, I know later in the show we're going to head on how some players that haven't actually moved have uh, been affected by some of the moves but uh, jumping forward to that at this point of the show how do you think it affects say Jones I I think it affects him uh, quite negatively in terms of um, what what my expectations are for him as a player and what I think the other two guys can do how do you think it affects say Jones I have to admit I really like it because I don't think that either one of these guys are receivers who are going to challenge 
in terms of volume. And they have roles that are, are fairly niche roles and that Beasley is going to be underneath. John Brown is going to be for those deep passes. Whereas A. Jones can play all over the field and still has that potential to emerge as sort of the true number one. Now, not a number one on you know the top 10 wide receiver kind of level or probably the top 20 kind of wide receiver kind of level. But my expectation for the Bills, and it's still possible that they will go away from Jones entirely and add you know some other uh, intriguing prospect in the draft. The draft has a lot of wide receivers very deep in terms of what you might be able to get uh, at some different levels. But my expectation for them in the offseason would have been to put some real weapons around Allen. I don't think that Brown or Beasley are that. And so Jones, I would have expected to be a clear-cut number two to whoever the alpha receiver was that the Bills added to this attack. With that not happening, I think that he becomes a little bit of a sneaky sleeper for 2019. It's going to be interesting. I think that might be one come draft time that we may have to to put some uh, sort of some sort of wages on who we're picking where we expect players to finish up. I think he is an interesting candidate, but just never somebody who really was um you know strong on my radar but it's gonna be interesting uh the next one up is uh the eagles have acquired uh, deshaun jackson and a for and a 2027 round pick from the buccaneers for a 2019 sixth round pick so uh jackson going back to the eagles fits in then with uh, alshon jeffrey and uh, nelson aguilar um and then we also obviously have zach Ertz there as well uh how do you think that he fits into this offense um obviously carson wentz now the sole quarterback uh, on the roster basically for the Eagles um, what, what are your thoughts on him back moving back in and uh, can he still have that effective role he's shown at times that he can and I always thought there was a kind of an issue in terms of connection with him and uh, Jameis Winston I thought he obviously we've seen when uh, Fitzpatrick came in that he still could have those big plays what, what's your thoughts on, on this move for him and how does it affect uh, the other two guys that I mentioned in Jeffrey and Aguilar I think it affects Aguilar more than the Jeffrey side of things these guys all finished last season within 100 yards of each other. Uh, Jackson with just 30 more yards than Nelson Aguilar. Obviously, again, playing on different teams in very different roles. Despite the similarities in yardage, Jackson averaged 18.9 yards per catch. Aguilar down at 11.6. So we can see that they're not doing close to the same things and won't be used similarly in this offense. Jackson, they're hoping, can come in and give them that deep threat they were hoping for from Mike Wallace. Uh, my concern for with Deshaun Jackson, uh, from a fantasy perspective, from a reality perspective, is just that you know he he's going to be difficult to work with, and uh, you know every time that you think that he's actually a little bit washed up, then he provides new evidence, like the very beginning of last season, that no, he's he's actually fine. He can get behind the defense, and if the re- you know if the scheme works, if the play call is right, if the quarterback can make the throw then you know nobody gets behind the defense and scores 70 yard touchdowns like deshaun jackson i mean that's his thing right but because you need to have that scheme fit because you have to have the quarterback deliver you the ball and because you don't know when when jackson will suddenly go for you know half a season where you know he won't do anything for anybody then he's he's a difficult person simply because you know like an antonio brown but unlike him from a production perspective you know you just you don't know if you can count on him and you know that's incredibly important and devastating to a reality team it makes it difficult to play on your fantasy team because he's already as this vertical receiver he's inconsistent but then you don't know if any given moment he's going to talk himself out of the league yeah we did touch on the jets a little bit earlier too and the next one i i'm going to 
pull these three together and let you pick out which one you'd like to, to head on. Uh, we have Jamison Crowder off, uh, formerly of the Redskins, signing with the Jets. And then we have the Colts picking up Devin Funches, who I think is a, a nice pickup for the Colts to, to have there on the, on the offense. Uh, the other one, then the Titans picking up Adam Humphreys, who's had a, had a couple of high reception seasons um, but I'm not all that sure in terms of the fit with him down in Tennessee with the Titans. Uh, what's your thoughts on those three guys? Is there one in particular that stands out for you as a, as a good move? Funches is a guy who, you know, I, I think that, that is the one where instinctively you see that fit. You think about his size. You think about his athleticism for the size. You think about the Colts moving the football. And you think about Andrew Luck delivering those passes delivering those potential touchdowns you know all you really have to do is think back to, to eric ebron last year and, and see the value of someone like luck who will you know not be as flustered by those drops won't you know immediately go away from a guy because he's, he's had a, a soul-crushing game losing you know easy drop you know eric ebron perfect in that situation is able to benefit from all the positives but then I think back to a couple of really fantastic articles that Blair Andrews has written for The Wrong Read, where he has detailed that big picture wide receivers who change teams lose value, or specifically they lose about 10% of their production compared to wide receivers who stay on the same teams. Now, there are some exceptions to that in that uh, looking at his breakout, his wide receiver breakout articles, which again, I strongly recommend, they will help you win your fantasy league. If you go in, uh, you pull up the site and you search for Blair Andrews on the wrong read, wide receiver breakouts, it will help you win. But so one of the keys is that wide receiver breakout earlier than people think, but there is actually this little bit of a jump in the fifth year for people who are drafted outside the first 100 picks right so these early drafted wide receivers they get the opportunity they get to prove whether or not they can play and if the guy doesn't break out early then history tells us he's not going to break out he may not you know disappear from the league entirely but you shouldn't continue to be super optimistic about some of these guys on the other hand lower drafted players who have fought their way through who have stayed in the league who now are working their way into some extra opportunity they actually sometimes have these breakout seasons that we see in year five now i think your concern with jameson crowder and adam humphreys is that what's the ceiling there right but you know you have some examples of some of the smaller receivers with the patriots for example in a few other places where uh, if the guys get enough volume then they can certainly fill out a roster spot for you and so many fantasy leagues are very deep at this point to where if you need you know seven eight nine ten eleven starters if you need six wide receivers then certainly they could become very intriguing options do you have a preference among those three guys do you do you like one of the small receivers better than the other out of the two uh, smaller receivers i think i would go with uh, jemison crowder um i think the upside's higher there with him out of the two of those guys uh, i think that offense like i've always been a big Mar- marcus mariota fan but it's just never fully clicked into gear for him maybe this will be the year but i think i would rather go with the with with the jets and what they could potentially do with crowder in terms of the three of them i i, I think uh, i'm all on board with this move for funches you know i've we've seen what uh luck has been able to do over the last season with kind of players like Dontrell Inman and players who I just don't think are as good as Devin Funches um, and I think having him paired up on the outside with T.Y. Hilton then on the other side with the speed guy I think there's just uh, so many things can happen there I think as well out of the, the last um, 
week or so. There had been some talk, you know, of the Colts being possibly interested in Bell. I think we have to look at the running backs there as being big winners as well out of uh, out of the, the recent week's news. But I think Devin Funches in terms as well, if you look at like Cam Newton in terms of passing accuracy, I, I think there's no comparison with him in terms of what luck can do, particularly now when they get down into the red zone. I think they're going to be extremely difficult to uh, stop in terms of the option of the speed of T.Y. Hilton versus uh, Ebron and, and Funches as well as pass catching options so I think this uh, Colts team is really setting up to be uh, very very tough to stop on offense uh, heading into this season um, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch them the other uh, three that I've picked out are uh, Devontae Parker who really hasn't ever lived up to the hype signed a two-year contract uh, extension with the Dolphins the Bears signed Carderell Patterson who could be potentially an interesting sign in there the other one is Brashid Perriman, as I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, heading to the box on a one-year deal. So kind of probably trying to slot in similar to uh, where they're losing out on uh, Sean Jackson. Um, so, Sean, let's get into the fourth quarter. So, Sean, the thing I wanted to talk about in the fourth, fourth quarter was uh, the, the recent piece you'd done in terms of the, the best ball tool. We did touch a little bit um, on a similar process on the last show when we talked about running backs and wide receivers. But in this one, we're going to look at tight ends and how tight ends um, can affect the best ball drafts. And I know we've kind of been very pro tight end over the last kind of well basically since we started the show around uh, you know almost around a year ago now so in this we're looking at two tight ends or three tight ends in terms of roster construction should you go tight end earlier and are there tiers to avoid and really when you look back at last season if you stripped out we were very high on Rob Gronkowski if we stripped him out of the sample and started off from tight end two all the way down in terms of where draft position was uh, i think we like last year was one of the, the stronger tight end years in terms of overall high scoring points but uh, what were some of the things when you were doing the article that you you found out that maybe surprised you in terms of uh, how, how tight ends can affect in terms of roster construction for best ball right so again we have these fantastic roster construction explorers uh, from mike beer's best ball tools and you can pull those up on the site really experiment with them yourself and find out what constructions have been the most successful that doesn't necessarily mean they'll be the most successful in the future but it gives you a lot of information as to what has worked and when we look at tight end the one of the big questions that people ask is you know should you go two tight end should you go three tight end people are always trying to balance these onesie positions with qb tight end defense you know you want to play as as few guys or roster as few guys in those different spots as you can in order to create as much opportunity at running back and wide receiver as possible but tight end really breaks down into a couple of categories where people tend to draft tight ends a little bit earlier and use two tight ends or draft tight ends a little bit later and use three tight ends we see that the two most popular constructions and far and away the two most successful are either two or three if you go with one four or five then your chances of winning are very very low three three tight end has does have a a 17,000 roster edge in terms of people using it the last four years and it also has a slight edge in terms of win rate uh, 8.5 8.3 just a a tiny little advantage there and a two-point advantage and average score that doesn't necessarily answer the whole question for us as we can see when we look at, at where you should draft your tight ends so if you take a tight end your tight end one anywhere in the first four rounds again in the last four years your average win rate is 9.3 percent and you average over 2200 points so you know this that's a, a big jump up from either of those two sort of more normal constructions 
And like you mentioned, Rob Gronkowski, obviously, even though there are a lot of teams involved, there are still a relatively limited number of individual player seasons involved in those results. So we could very seriously question whether or not that's going to continue in the future. Uh, the early tight end has been successful in three of the four years. It was you know, certainly boosted quite a bit last year from the value of Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz. Now, you know, we argued strongly that people should be drafting those guys. So I, there was plenty of evidence going into the season that that was the way to go. But one of the ways that we can make sure that we're not maybe overvaluing that is we can compare it to this next tier of tight ends, those guys who have gone in rounds five through eight. Now, if you draft your first tight end in those rounds, as 92,000 teams have done in this time period, your win rate falls to 7.9% and your average score falls just to 2190. So you're giving away a ton of value if you try and go cheap, but not cheap enough at tight end. You really want to wait. If you're not going to grab one of those early guys, you want to wait until rounds nine through 12, where your win rate again jumps up to slightly above average and your score gets back into that 2196 range, right? So we can see that the, the two ways to go about it are either to take the uh, take the two tight ends and grab them early, go three tight ends and grab them later. But still there are some elements that people are, are not quite playing right. For example, where do you draft your second tight end? Where do you draft your third tight end? And, and we really get into all of that in the article and you can find all of that on the Construction Explorer. So if you want to find out the answers to double elite tight end, for example, and what happens to you if you draft two of the tight end studs? Or answer the question of how late can you wait for your tight end too? Now, this is one of the things I just mentioned. People are waiting too late to draft their second tight ends. And for all of these three tight end constructions, they're actually drafting way too, wait, waiting way too late to draft their third tight end. So you can really bump your win rates up if you take your tight ends in that sort of tight end sweet spot or tight end window. And again, the RCE will give you all the information you need to do to figure out how to do that. It seems kind of odd that you would actually want to use those later picks on sleepers at running back or wide receiver, but we see a lot more value from hitting on some big players who have high win rates at those positions than taking some of these crummy tight ends who you know, are, are simply not going to see the field or not going to see anywhere like the kind of volume to where they would be pulled into your optimal lineup. So we want to take that into consideration. The last thing that we talk about a little bit in there and we look about the ADP, we've got the great ADP tool, are some of the possible pitfalls for the early tight end approach in 2019. We can't just take what's worked in the past and sort of mindlessly apply it to the current season, we look at some of the issues that you might have if you're trying to grab those studs in the 2019 season. Yeah, and the other thing, uh, the one the one tight end in uh, best ball leagues doesn't tend to work out <laughs> to be a, a successful strategy. So try to avoid that one. Uh, but when you're going down through it, it is always interesting the way you know, and it kind of filters into how people are drafting in terms of tiers. Like if you look at second, third round, usually that is going to be where those you know first second and third tight ends go off the board then you're having the people who are reaching for the other tight ends and kind of rounds four five six and then as you mentioned when you hit that round nine ten eleven kind of range that's where that second uh tier of you know kind of strong upside tight ends come into play so it's always interesting but the i have to say with uh, the work beers is doing um with the apps it's uh, tremendous I, I highly urge all the listeners to go out and check those out and of course check out those different answers that sean was mentioning and and the article as well uh, highly worth checking that one out it is good. 
So, Shannon, as we get close to the end of the show here, uh, we're going to look at kind of rapid fire uh, some of the players who are the biggest uh, non-free agency winners and losers due to the player, or sorry, winners rather, due to the movement this week. Uh, I think the big one has to be uh, Juju Smith-Schuster uh, in terms of the move for Antonio Brown. And uh, I seen him tweeting out that he said that he's ready for that wide receiver one role. I think it's just... Uh, a huge step for him in terms of his development i think it seems like the right fit and the right time to do it it'll be interesting then to see do they try and uh, replace uh, and and help that production off antonio brown through the draft or do they go out in free agency and try and pick somebody else up um the other ones that you had listed to talk about are Tariq cohen who i know we're both fans of uh, then evan ingram damien williams chris godwin and baker mayfield obviously getting odell beckham in the building so out of those is there anyone that you really want to highlight that you know you thought was a, a big impact on obviously uh, we mentioned um the situation with odell leaving the giants but when you look then at him uh, and the the space that he leaves behind obviously you mentioned evan ingram in this list uh, gets a gets a big bump up in potential targets for this upcoming season yeah ingram with with the potential breakout he has the really disappointing season last year could explode chris godwin a player that is sort of interesting because i i think that rotoviz and the metrics guys have always loved him uh scouts seemingly have also loved him nfl teams you know didn't reach for him in the draft the bucks haven't felt uh this extreme need to get him involved although he was peppered with a 10 uncatchable targets in <laughs> late in the season um cohen and williams those are two guys where i think that there was plenty of expectation that kansas city and chicago would bring in sort of a, a big time pass catching back they probably were long shots but you know you could dream a little bit if you were fans of those teams for Le'Veon Bell certainly Tevin Coleman is a guy who an established pass catcher incredible speed you know doesn't necessarily fit all offenses but players who would potentially be good fits for some of these explosive pass running back pass catching oriented offenses like what the bears do like what the chiefs do for them to have gone out and the chiefs added carlos hyde who is basically a below replacement level player and the bears to have added mike davis who, who also is a is a big winner and i think should be someone people are, are trying to, to add on the sly over the next couple of weeks but both of those teams there's still a very real possibility that they will add other players but with the draft being so weak at running back i think that if you're a fantasy owner of these guys you've got to be pretty excited because now you know already with some of the names who have come off the board and just simply the the moves that those teams have already made it's it's much less likely that the opportunity really gets cut in half or, or cut down for those guys i mean damian williams was a, a player who just exploded obviously in the last couple of games in the postseason but with his track record to that point um his i mean he's he's going in the third round of a ton of best ball leagues and you know based on his actual role in that offense i think that's justified but based on his track record you know you kind of had to expect that the chiefs would do something there you know they still might you know that you could end up you know with a bryce love who might be available you know later in the season um you you had a couple of the smaller backs do things that were a little bit interesting at the combine but you know unless jacobs ends up on one of these teams which is possible but i would think unlikely then you know certainly williams and cohen are suddenly looking like players who could be just clear-cut running back one fantasy guys next year do you do you think 
those opportunities will stick there? Or am I being sort of overly optimistic that these early free agent moves are, are going to stick and that really the true moves for those teams are still coming? Uh, we could see some moves. I think I'm with uh, I'm with you on Juju. I'm with you on Cohen. Uh, I think Evan Ingram has a really good opportunity to break out, and I think there's going to be a value there based on how he did last year. Damian Williams is the one that I think at the moment it could change up. I think Godwin is in a good situation. Baker Mayfield uh, is obviously in a good situation, but I I think you know you look at some of the running backs who are still on that kind of secondary running back market, and you look at somebody like a Tevin Coleman, who I know we did talk about on the show. Uh, a couple of months back about potentially landing there so i think we could see williams uh you know take a big hit in terms of his expected value but you know at the moment it's one of those ones if you are a damian williams owner right there in dynasty or you've drafted him in best ball uh, you're just kind of hoping for the best but I, I think there has to be a move coming for the chiefs to to add to that backfield um do, do you think that that is likely or do you think that they they will stick pat with them i just think the the previous production history for williams um has to be something that they obviously know and that they're they have him in the building but they're obviously going to look to i think upgrade on that position it, it just seems to be such a waste to me to sign carlos hyde if you were then going to also sign um uh, you know a number uh, other players there and so i expect them to draft a running back but so many drafts they're either you know five six seven top guys who could end up fall you know the the bottom player in that group you're always worried could fall to your team um you know if you if you're the fantasy owner there but and then even in the you know fourth fifth sixth rounds you have some intriguing flyers guys who could come in and fill a role and really as a fantasy owner if you're if you've got damian williams you don't want someone who's going to come in and fill a role there because so much of his value is the fact that for a big guy and a guy who can carry the ball around the goal line now you know hyde might be someone who vultures some touchdowns even though again I mean, he's a terrible football player but but williams being the receiving back there that's you know that's where the fantasy or nirvana really comes from if they were to add a receiving back in the draft then it hurts him but i just don't think this draft really has the kinds of guys that you have to worry about too much um you know for those particular opportunities in this in this upcoming season maybe down the road but it's just such a weak draft we i put out the first running back prospect lab rankings last week looked at that class after the combine and in the past several classes we had you know 2017 2018 we we had nine guys with scores above 60 in the prospect lab this year we had zero right so it, it it's a class that you know perhaps after some of the pro days we have some other workout numbers that it will look a little bit better but it's just not a class that I'm scared of. So if you're not getting hit by these free agent landmines and, and certainly Carlos Hyde, I mean, he, he's the perfect guy because he's going to fill up that slot. He's going to create that running back depth that all teams have to have, but he's not going to take carries away from a good player. You know, we saw that in Jacksonville where they traded for him and then basically couldn't use him. So hopefully it's not a situation where he would come in and, and, and take some carries away from Williams like he did from, from Nick Chubb last year apples and oranges situation so again i think this is perfect for williams yeah you did you did start to uh, comment with uh signing carlos hyde would be a waste and then you went on to uh finish out the answer but i think you could have probably finished it there because uh, I, I know our thoughts on carlos hyde <laughs> wouldn't be having him signing him to any contract so uh carlos hyde not not one that uh, will be on any of my rosters heading into the season and who knows what will happen when he, he's there for a couple of weeks. Uh, we've seen uh, the Jaguars cut ties with him pretty quick, so we'll see how Kansas City feels about him 
um, in the longer term. But that's going to do it for today's edition of the show. Uh, just want to, as always, mention that as a loyal podcast listener, you can get a 30% discount off of Rotoviz NFL Pass right now. It's available through the NFL Podcast homepage. That is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. The season is... Well, it's going to start to be fast approaching uh, as we get through it. As you, as you see over the last week, things happen quickly. And then, of course, that leads to lots of great content up on the site. So again, unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools. And you get amazing value and support the podcast network and the process. Once again, that is rotaviz.com forward slash podcast. I just want to mention, too, as we wrap up the show, uh, we do have a new show on the network. Uh, and it is the baseball, the Road of His Baseball podcast, and it's been hosted by Stefan Leco. Um, I'm not a big baseball guy, so I've been listening to try and learn a few things. But uh, he's been doing, he's had multiple shows per week, uh, breaking down some of the the baseball, fantasy football. So uh, I would urge the listeners to check that one out. Um, Stefan did a great job there. So with that, I guess that all that's really left to say is uh, make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes. Keep supporting the pod. Keep view and everything up on uh, rotaviz.com listening to the podcast and until i'm back with another one my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over tim Arden. my co-host is sean siegel who you can follow at ff underscore contrarian until we're back with the next one have a good one thank you for listening to overtime on rotaviz radio please rate and review the rotaviz radio podcast on itunes or your favorite podcast app contact us via email at rotavizradio at gmail.com and follow us on twitter at rotavizradio and remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Geico presents Yikes, another voicemail from your roommate. Sup, roomie? Hey, a pipe burst in the basement. It's completely flooded. Anyway, I called for someone to fix it, but in the meantime, I was thinking we could finally have that indoor pool party we've always wanted. I got some cool swan floaty things already going. Could you pick up some chips on your way home? Later. The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if your roommate isn't the brightest pool float in the flooded basement. Visit Geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings. A four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th. Only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.